Is God good this morning? Do me a favor, look at your neighbor, tell him God is good, and find your seat if you would. Tell him however you want to. Pat on the back, kiss on the cheek if it's appropriate. Find your seat if you would. Thank you so much for being here today. My name is Pastor Adam Harold. My incredible wife, Tanya, and I have the privilege of leading this beautiful community called The Refuge together. We do it as a team. If you're visiting with us for the first time, we want to know your name. We want to know uh, your story and everything we can do to get to know you. We, we want to. So we want to make it as easy as possible for you. And so if you just stop by our guest services on your way out uh, and just ask for a connection card, they'll give you one and you can fill it out. And I'm just going to send you a card this week to say thank you for being here. And uh, we're so, so glad that you're here with us. You know, um, we believe that whatever reason you're here, whatever reason brought you here, the reason that you are here, the real reason, is because God has something he wants to do in your life. God has something that he wants to share with you in your life. He's got a message for you. We don't take the message and things that we do here lightly because we believe that God is trying to do something in you. You know, some weeks, I know that God really wants to do something in someone's life. You know how? Because Satan does everything he can to get me not to do it. Come on, somebody, right? We've all been there. We've all had rough weeks. I had a rough week. But you know what that makes me? Excited for today. It makes me even more excited for today. Because Satan's always going to try to stop God from doing whatever it is that God wants to do. Therefore, as I just wait in anticipation... I wait to see what God does. I hope you're ready. Are you ready this morning? Come on. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. I'm ready. You're ready. We're going to go into what we call our, our giving portion of, this, of, the, of the message or of the, the day. Um, we don't pass the plate at the refuge. Uh, when COVID took place, we decided, you know what? We don't need to do that anymore. And... Um, so we don't pass a, an offering plate. But we do give you opportunities to obey God. I'm going to talk about giving in just a moment. So um, all of today's message, we're in a series about, about giving back to God. And the series is, is about this moment right here. It's, it's about why we do this. And the reason we do this is ultimately for worship this is a part of our worship experience because giving back to God is one way that we always like to say it is we turn our work into worship when we give back to God. And so all week long, you put in the hours at work. Some of those hours you dread it. And you just, you, 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 you didn't want to go to work. You did it anyway because you got to pay the bills and you got to raise money. You got to you got to have money to live. Well, this moment right here turns that dread into cheer. 
the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. And so we have an opportunity to give back to the one that gave us everything. So there's three ways to do it at the refuge. You can give it in the, you can drop it in a black box if you, if you'd rather write out a check. You're a little old school. You don't like your, your resistant digital currency, right? You want to write a check. You want to drop some cash. Um, you can do it in the black boxes. Also, you can go to refugemain.church slash give and select either tithe or offerings. I'm going to talk about that in just a little while. Or you can text 77296 and uh, we'll send you a response and you can just um, do it by, by texting on your phone. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we, have, we love you. Lord, we don't deserve you. We don't deserve anything that you give us. But God, you give us everything we have. And so, Father, this is an opportunity to just give back to you a portion of what you've already given to us. God, last week we talked about how you own it all. You're our source. Father, the fact that we're breathing shows us that you are our source. So, Father, we just give back to you today. We do it cheerfully, God. We're so excited that we have the opportunity to give back to you, Father. We're excited because we know that it's a way that we can give you a part of our heart today. Father, we're excited because you promise us that as you sow, you will reap. So, Father, as we give, Lord, we expect, we do it expecting that you return back even more than we gave you. Father, we love you. This life is a gift. I pray that we would use it for your glory, for your honor, for your praise. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look good. You look good. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you ugly. <laughs> I tell you what, God has a sense of humor, doesn't he? I know it because I'm looking at you. I'm kidding. That's a joke. That's a joke. That's a bad joke. Adam, you're, you're about to talk about money and you're going to get them mad at you now all the, at the beginning. Uh, thank you guys so much for being here. We, uh, man. I just can't believe that you show up every week. Can I just say that? Uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a joy. It's a, it's a privilege to be able to stand before you. And um, it's not something that I take lightly. I know that uh, there are pastors all across America that, um, that well, frankly, they just, they, they don't have many people. The average church in America is 60 people. And um, the fact that we're five years in and here we are, I think the last, I don't know, couple, six, seven weeks, we've been running around 200 people every week. And um, I don't say that because it's about numbers. It's not about numbers. But it's about 
It's about people that God desperately wants to help. God wants to help you today. He wants to be there for you. But how many of you know that you can't just expect help to happen, right? It, it requires a response. It requires, it requires a, like, there has to be an action. In order for God to help us, we, we have to do something. Some of you are here this morning and you're, and you're asking, what do I need to do for God to help me? Hopefully, if I do my job, hopefully we can help you figure that out. Now, I said earlier that my week was, was rough, and boy, let me tell you, it was rough. Part of the reason it was rough was because I wrestled with Scripture this week. That's a part of my job, by the way, is to wrestle with Scripture. In fact, I think, I think it's all of our jobs to wrestle with Scripture. I think we, we have to wrestle with it. And the fact of the matter is, is that because I'm human, there are things that are written in this book that I don't always like. I don't always like what it has to say. It doesn't, maybe I should put it this way. It doesn't always make me feel good. How's that? We think that because God is God that we should always feel good, that he should always make us feel good. Man, I wish that was the case. But when we do feel good, you know what happens? We give him, we, like, that's when, we, that's when he's glorified. I always like to say this. Um, God's more concerned about your holiness than he is your happiness. And when we're happy, he is the most glorified. But when we're holy, we experience him in a way that we could only dream of. This life is just as much about holiness as it is happiness. That's why we have to lean in to this book. That was all not even in my notes. So um, if you're in the first service, then you're welcome. If you're planning on coming to the second service, don't expect me to say everything that I just said. Um, but we're in a series called God's Economy. Uh, int introduction to God's economy. Um, because there are things in, in Scripture, and we're, I'm going to read a, a, a passage of Scripture in just a moment, but Scripture says that we have to, that pastors have to teach. There are things in God's Word. The prophet said, "My way, His ways are not your ways, declares the Lord. And so His thoughts are not our thoughts, declares the Lord. And so God's economy and the world's economy, or maybe I should say it this way, God's economy and Adam Harold's economy are completely different. But as a follower of Jesus, I have to do everything I can to live in God's economy. I have to submit myself to God in every way that I can. I mean, for example, holiness and happiness, I want... I want happiness. God wants holiness. Do you, are you with me? 
God's economy, God, everything that God does is often opposite of what I think or feel. That doesn't make it, I mean, for some it makes it harder to believe in God. But really it should make you understand that God is God and I am not. And if God looks like you, if your God looks like you, you in trouble. Because if, my, if, if God looks like me, I'm in trouble. And so we're talking about intro to God's economy because it has to be, it has to be taught. And so I'm, I'm kind of doing everything that I can to, to put on my, my teaching hat. Uh, I, want, I, wanna, I want to instruct more than I want to preach this, this message, this series, because um, I, hope, I, and, and I hope as I put on my teaching hat, you put on your learning shoes, right? I don't know if there's shoes. I don't, I don't know where that came from. But I hope you put on, I hope you're ready to learn. And so our series is out of 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 through 19. I'm going to read in the New Living Translation. It says, teach those who are rich. You are rich. Last week I said, if you make $2 a day, you're in the top 2% of the wealthiest people in the world. $2. You're rich. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. I talked about that last week. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives all we need for our enjoyment. God wants you to enjoy life. He wants you to enjoy, dare I say, wealth. He wants you to enjoy it but he doesn't want you to trust it or to rely on it. He wants you to trust and rely on him. Verse 18, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as good foundations for the future so that they may experience truth. So God's intro to God's economy, I've got three weeks that we're talking about this. Last week we talked about the source and how God is the source. This week we're going to talk about the sum as we look at verse 18. Next week we're going to talk about the storehouse. The, the source, the sum, and the storehouse three components of God's economy that we have to be taught. Verse 18 is our focus verse for today. Tell them to use their money. Look at your neighbor and say, show me the money, right? Your best Jerry Maguire. Use their money to do good. But they should be rich in good works and generous generous. How are we generous today? That's the, the overall thought of today's message. How are we generous? How do we know that we're being generous? Be generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. So today's big idea for today, if I, if I had one thing, the big idea, every week I try to communicate a big idea, 
And if, it's, if you write down anything in my messages, I want you to write down the big idea because it's the one thing that I want to communicate to you today. And it's this. The sum is always connected to the heart. The sum is always connected to the heart. Can I just say that I struggled with coming up with a big idea for today? I struggled with, like I wrestled with it. I wrestled with it so much that I felt, I felt the Holy Spirit give me this big idea while I was laying in bed one night trying to go to sleep. Anybody else lay in bed trying to go to sleep and you're thinking about all the things that you're trying to figure out in life? Like, like forget about trying to figure out for the day. You're just trying to figure out life, right? And so one night this week I was laying in bed and I was thinking about my sermon because I was, I was wrestling with scripture all day long about it. And, and I had written a big idea out, but it just didn't really, it didn't even feel like, if I'm completely vulnerable this morning, I was like, I don't even know if it's biblical. That's a bad place to be, right? And so I'm laying there in bed and I'm like, Where your treasure is, your heart is also, Jesus said. I got it. The sum is always connected to the heart. The amount that you give back to God says, God, this is how much I'm willing to give back to you. You can't, you can't disconnect the two. It's always about the heart. That verse that I just quoted, Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, your heart is also. Those were Jesus' words about our treasure. So what is a treasure? Well, you can't show me a person on the planet that doesn't treasure money. Now, we treasure other things too. Our kids, I treasure my kids. My kids are God's. I should train them up in the way that they should go so that when they're older, they don't depart from God. That's, a, that's in Proverbs. I have to give to my kids. I have to, I have to pour into my kids as they are my treasure and pour the Holy Spirit into them, like teach them to follow God in their lives. And that's how I use my treasure to honor God with my kids. We can always use our treasure to honor God. Where your treasure is, your heart is also. And I believe that God has given us money. God has given us money as a, as a, as a measuring stick to show ourselves. Forget about showing God, but as we show ourselves how much of our hearts God has. So at the end of the year, we do our, hello tax season, right? If you didn't know it was tax season, it's tax season. As we look at our, at our last year's income versus our last year's giving, we look and we say, oh, God had my heart last year. It's a measuring stick. So as we talk about the sum, we're talking about the amount. How do we know that 
that we're, that we're generous? How do we know that we're being generous? How much is required for, it to be, for us to be generous? I think that's a fair question that a lot of pastors are afraid to answer. You are coming back next week, right? I did say that I'm, 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 I'm amazed that you come back every week. This is why. Because I'm, a, I, I'm gonna, I'm, I, want, I, want to, I want to teach you. How do we know that we're generous? And if I'm, again, if, if, I'm, if I'm totally vulnerable, I wrestled with this. I, I, anytime God leads me to, to a, a series about money, I'm like, God, are you sure? Are you sure? Like, like we're, we're doing fine financially, but are you sure that you want me to do this? Adam, Jesus talked about money more than he did faith and prayer combined. So, so you have to talk about money because money is an issue. And if we want to, to follow God, what do they say? Follow the money? If I want to know if I'm following God or not, if I'm doing everything that I can to follow Him, one way I know it, and it's personal. The reason I wrestle with this is because it's personal. I don't, I don't like, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if you know me very well or not. Some of you might know me enough to know that I don't like to be personal. I don't like to get personal. I like to be surface. <laughs> I like to stay on the surface. But it's worth me getting personal. I know it. Man, you can, it is, it is quiet in this Catholic church this morning. Jesus told a story, or Jesus, Mark, the, the, in the Gospel of Mark, there's a story that we can't ignore when it comes to giving. Because it involves Jesus. It's in Mark chapter 12, verse 41 through 44. It's the story known as the widow's mite. You can't ignore it. It says in verse 41, Jesus sat near the collection box at the temple. Talk about pressure. <laughs> Jesus sitting at the collection box. At least I don't stand at the black boxes and go, ooh, right? I would never do that, by the way. Jesus sat near the collection box in the temple and, he, and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Talk about pressure, man. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and he said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than the others who are making contributions for they gave a tiny part of their surplus. They gave a tiny part of their what? Their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything that she had to live on. There are two people represented in this story. The first one is the rich people who gave large amounts of money. 
The second one is the widow who gave a small amount of money, but gave everything she had to live on. Now, I did some digging into the original language here, which is, which is Greek. It's written in Greek. I did some digging into that word everything. She's given everything. And you know what I discovered that that means? It means everything. It means everything. She gave all she had. From what we have based on the story, if you look in terms of percentage, she gave 100% of what she had to live on. It wasn't much. She was a widow. But Jesus called his disciples over and he said, these people have given a large amount, but this one right here, she's more generous than they are. So I want you to know this morning that generosity has nothing to do with a dollar amount. That's good news. And I know, I know preachers all over the nation that are guilty in believing that generosity is about a dollar amount. It's not. It's about proportion. Generosity is about proportion, not about amount. And so as we look at proportion, we have to start talking not dollar signs, but percentage signs. We have to start talking about, uh, about proportion compared to how much I have. What is my 100%? And out of that 100%, how much am I going to give back to God? That's what we're wrestling with today. That's also why I wrestled this week. Not because I struggle with giving a percentage amount to God, but because I don't like to talk about percentages. I'm not a gymnast. I'm a mathematician. Right? I don't like to talk about percentages because percentages are personal. Out of this story, we learn something about God's economy that I have to share with you this morning. And it's, it's commonly thought that, that all we have to do is, is, is that we, we often have this, this, this concept, this thought in our lives that I will give more when I make more. Well, I'll, I'll give more back to God when I have more money. I'll give back to God when I'm rich. I'll give more back to God then. And what we say when we say, I'll give more back to God when I have more, what we're saying is I care more about the amount than I do the proportion. But God doesn't care about the amount he, he, that's why Mark tells us the story of the widow. Because it's not about the amount. It's about the proportion. So proportion means a share, a, a part, a share, or a number considered in comparative or relation to the whole. In other words, it's a percentage. So how do I know 
that God cares about the proportion more so than the, than, than the amount. And the reason for that is because of the widow. Mark wouldn't have included the story if it wasn't, if God wasn't trying to communicate that your generosity has to do with proportion than it does the amount that you give. So this morning I've got four things that I want to, to help you understand in God's economy that when we understand them, the scriptures promise us that we will be able to do good. I don't know about you, but I want to do some good in this world. But the way I'm going to do good, First Timothy, or First Timothy just told us, in order to do good in the world, we have to be generous. And so four things. Number one, in God's economy, God doesn't measure by amount. I think I've, I think I've nailed this one already. Right? I'm beating a dead horse at this point. God doesn't care about the amount. He cares about the, the proportion. In God's economy, he doesn't care about the amount. He cares about the proportion. And so how do we figure proportion? Well, in the scriptures, um, we are given a percentage or a, or a proportion. Um, we're only given, like, other than 100%, we're only given one other percentage in all the scriptures. And we call it the tithe. The tithe is simply in, in, in Hebrew, which is where, where tithe originates, is it means a tenth. So a tenth in percentage-wise is 10%. So that's where we get a tithe from. It's from Malachi chapter 10, which I'll read it. But then I want to get into something because I'll say, okay, let me, let me just read Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Bring all the tithes to the storehouse so that there will be enough food in the temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to test. You know the tithe is the only place, the only way that God gives us permission to test him in? If, you wanna, if you're here this morning, you're not going to like this, but if you're here this morning and you don't believe in God, because believe it or not, we have people that come into this room, you can't have 200 people gathering on a, on, a, on a weekend without having someone not believing in God. If you're here and you don't believe in God, let me challenge you. Put God to test. The way that he gives you permission to put him to test. The way that he gives us permission to test is with the tithe. And so we tithe as a response to God, but we also tithe to test him. So now, as I get into talking about the tithe, I can't, I can't talk about it without letting you know that there are people that disagree with this. Maybe you're here and you disagree with the tithe. And I want you to know that is okay. It's okay. You don't have to, I, in fact, let me go out and say, I hope that, 100, that you don't always agree with 100% of what I said. Because if you did, that would mean we'd have a bunch of Adam Heralds and then we'd be in big trouble. 
So I hope that you don't always agree with me. However, the tie, and, 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 and so there are people that don't agree with the tie. They don't agree that, that we have, that, that we should give, or that we're required. A lot of times, people that don't agree with it re- use the word God requires 10%. And the reason they don't agree with it is because the Apostle Paul very much talks about giving as a response to God's grace. And so, it's a re- and so many people believe that we give back to God based on God's grace in our lives. If you don't believe in the tithe, you believe in God, and you believe because Jesus died and got rid of the law. A lot of times, they, you know, people believe that they. And I always hate to talk about like about about some people that I, I hate to, to to give opposites because I don't want to confuse anyone. But this is very important. And so, so a lot of times we believe that because Jesus died. And then he got rid of the law. And when he got rid of the law, that means we, don't, we no longer have to give back to God. Or give back to God 10% a tithe. And so they, they respond to, they say we give as a response to God's grace. And all I know is that God responds to proportion. And the proportion, the only proportion that I find in scripture other than 100%, is 10%. And so I give, so my own life, my personal life, I give based on the tithe because it's the only other proportion other than 100%. And if I'm 100% honestly, I'm not ready to give 100%. I mean, we we gave 100% to move to, to Maine to start this church. I don't know if I want to ever do that again. And so, we have to give as a response to God's grace. Well, if I give according to God's, as a response to God's grace in my life, then I'm giving 100% all day, every day. And so, we have to look at what we are giving. We have to be intentional about what we get. Okay. So, number one, God responds to the proportion more so than the amount. John D. Rockefeller, you know who he was? He was uh, a, one of the most wealthy men in, in all of American history, John D. Rockefeller. He's quoted as saying, I would never have been able to tie the first million dollars, my first million dollars. Let me go back and and just read it for you. I never would have been able to tie the first million dollars I ever made if I had not tied my first salary, which was a dollar fifty a week. We have this concept that I'll give more when I make more. But when you make more, it's still about proportion, not about amount. It's always about proportion. Number two, in God's economy, our proportion is a response to God's grace. So the proportion that you give is a response to God's grace. 
in Luke chapter 7, there's a story about a woman that comes to Jesus in, in the midst of Pharisees. And she has a, a jar of, there's, there's, many people believe that there are three different occasions where women have gone, went to Jesus and poured out a jar of expensive perfume on Jesus' feet. This was one of those, one of those, uh, those moments. But in Luke 7, the account of, uh, that Luke gives is very special because he mentions, and, and the reason he mentions it is because the Pharisees pointed out to Jesus, you say that you're the son of God and you let this sinner come into your midst, into your presence and pour out perfume on you? Are you crazy? The, the Pharisees were always accusing Jesus of allowing, of welcoming sinners. Thank God Jesus welcomes sinners. And as she comes in, read verse 47 to 48. It says, I tell you, her sins, and they were many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little only has little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. I think it's safe to, uh, so I think it's safe to assume that this woman whose sins were many were, was responding to God's grace in her life by pouring out expensive perfume on Jesus' feet. Our proportion that we give back to God is the response of his grace in our life. Number two. Number three. In God's economy, our proportion given back to God results in our abundance. Our proportion given back to God results in our abundance. This one I wrestled with. Because it's about my heart, God. It's about my heart. Yeah, Adam. But the proportion shows me your heart. But God, it's not about the amount that I give you. You're right, it's not. But it's about the amount. But God, I don't want to give back to you so that I get rich. No, no, no. It's not about you getting rich. It's about your heart. I will always make every message that I give, no matter where it's at, if it's at another church, if it's here at the refuge, wherever I am preaching God's word, I will always make it about the heart because God always makes it about your heart. And the fact is, is that people are in this room and you've had your heart trampled this week and it's hard life is hard but my heart is safest in its creator's hands not in mine and so I give not to get rich not to experience abundance, but because God is so good, because he's so gracious, because I don't deserve the breath that I breathe, 
so I give back to him. Not so that I can have abundance. In this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the Apostle Paul writes and he says, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. That's one reason why we don't pass a plate. Because we... We believe that you should already, when, when you walk through the doors at the refuge, you should already have decided how much you're going to get. It's a decision that you make. I'm going to decide what proportion of my income I want to give back to God. So decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly as a response to pressure. I hope that you don't feel pressured today. It's not about pressure. It's about obeying God who teaches us that if you give generously, you'll reap generously. That's a hard word. Because I don't like to, I don't, it makes me uncomfortable. Don't give reluctantly as a response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully and God will generously provide all you need then you will always have everything that you need and plenty left over. That's where the abundance comes in. Abundance isn't about wealth. Abundance is having enough to share. I want enough to share. I want enough to be generous. I want enough to share with other people. Then you'll always have everything that you need and plenty left over to share with others. So if you believe in, in tithing or not, generosity is a result of God's gift to you. And if you ask me, 10%, that's it? Let me, let me give more than that. I told Tanya at the beginning of this year, I want, our goal is to give well above 10% this year. Not, not, because, not because the church needs it or not because, but because God has been so good to us. And so because God has been good to us, I can't give him enough. And that scares Tanya to death. The sum is always connected to the heart. In God's economy, we don't measure by the amount, we measure by proportion. In God's economy, our proportion is a response to God's grace. In God's economy, our proportion given back to God results in abundance. Number four, finally, in God's economy, our offering is a response to our abundance. Earlier, um, I was talking with someone in the, in the common area. Um, and, and the word multiple streams of revenue came up. <laughs> there's, there's a few words there. But multiple streams of revenue came up. And, and, and one of the things that we were, we were talking about was how um, 
in today's culture, the, I believe the church needs multiple streams of revenue, but I also believe that families need multiple streams of revenue. And by a stream of revenue, I mean something that gives you money, a job or a side hustle. Anybody got a side hustle today? Anybody? Come on. Let me see the fellow side hustles out there. I know, listen, we live in Maine, and one of the things that I learned when we, when we lived in Maine is that there's a culture of wheeling and dealing. There's a culture to it. Facebook Marketplace? No, no, no. Just pick up your phone, go next door, and ask your neighbor, do you want to buy this? There's a culture of wheeling and dealing because, because we need multiple streams of revenue. And in offering back to God in today's context, in today's culture, the way we give an offering is as a result of those multiple streams of revenue. And so if you visit refugemain.church uh, slash give, there's a portion that says tithe, but then there's another portion that says offering. And when I give an offering back to God, it's a response to what to the abundance that God has given me. Let me illustrate this whole thing for you. Um, I don't have objects like I did last week. Um, but say someone owes you a million dollars, right? Now, now I, I, I'm, I'm using large numbers for, for a reason. But someone owes you a million dollars. And they only pay you a hundred thousand. Are you, are you willing to say that that debt is paid in full? No. They still owe you nine hundred thousand dollars. A lot of money. But with God, now I'm I'm not going to a place that some of you think I'm going. With God, the fact of the matter is is we owe him way more than a million dollars. But Jesus died in order to pay our debt for us. He died to pay our debt. So really, we owe God everything because he's paid the debt for us. It's way more than a million dollars. But the fact of the matter is, is God says, no, 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 you owe me nothing. My gift is free. I've given you everything, but you don't owe me anything in return. The fact of the matter is you can live your entire life, never give God any percentage, and he still says, welcome home, if you've given him your heart. Your heart's most important. But Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart is also. So, how do you know that God has your heart? Give him your treasure. That doesn't mean it has to be money. But money does show us in written form, in our checkbook, where our money is going, where our treasure is going. And it shows us who has our hearts? So the question for you today isn't, am I generous? The question at the end of service is, every single week, it's the same question. 
who has my heart? Am I holding on to my heart? Or am I giving it back to God? Last week, I gave you an illustration of a ladder. Every single week, every single week, we, um, we say that we want people to move one step closer to Jesus. Just one step closer. And so every single week we do that. And, and last week I gave you a ladder to show you how you can move one step closer to Jesus when it comes to your finances. The ladder has three steps on it. The bottom floor is someone that gives, that's, that, that gives absolutely nothing. And maybe you're giving absolutely nothing to God, but you want to move one step closer to, to Jesus today in the area of your finances. And so you just give something. That's called the initial giver. The initial giver. You just give something. Just give something. Whatever is in your wallet, and, you, and just, just drop it in the, the black box on your way out and just get started. But then the second one, the second level of the ladder is the proportional giver. The, the, the one that gives based on proportion, based on, on the, um, based on a percentage. And so it requires a little more thought and a little more planning. That person has decided in their heart how much to give. So if, if you want to, if, if you're just, if you've just been initial, like just been initial, move up. Let me, let me encourage you to, to take that next step and go to the proportional level. But then the final step, the top step, is the abundant giver, the generous giver, whatever you want to call them. They're the ones that give sacrificially. Because at the end of the day, the Bible, it, it doesn't necessarily talk about percentage as much as it talks about sacrifice. The reason I think that God gave us 10% with the form of the tithe is because he knew that 10% would be a sacrifice. He knew that all it takes for human beings to sacrifice is 10%. And so that's why I give based on the tithe. But at the end of the day, all I care is that God has my heart. All I care for you is that God has your heart. So would you do me a favor? Would you stand to your feet? I want to pray with you. Who has your heart today? At the end of every service, there's always two responses. One response is, a response to the message that was given. So maybe you want to respond today just by taking one step closer to God financially. But that's, depending on what I'm talking about that day, the, the response to the, to the message itself isn't always the most important response. Because the most important response is always about the heart. To give God your heart, you don't have to give him a dime. 
it costs God everything to redeem your soul. But he doesn't require anything back except for belief, confession, and trust. So when you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth and you trust in him, you're safe. Maybe you're here today and you're like, I don't, I'm the one that's holding on to my heart and I need to give it to God. If that's you, would you do me a favor? This is, this is our, our favorite part of our whole service every single week. Would you do me a favor? Would you raise your hand so that I can, I can see it? Thank you. Anybody else? Raise your hand and say, I want to give God my heart today. If you raise your hand, I want to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to say that prayer. Then we're going to sing a song and be dismissed. You raise your hand and say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need you. God, the best way that I know how, I give you my heart today. Help me to live for you. Thank you for Jesus who died for me and rose again to give me life. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Is God good this morning? Come on. Is God good this morning? Has God given you everything? Yeah. Hey, we're going to sing a song and we'll be dismissed. Love y'all.